Sports. Welcome to Catch Up, the podcast about contemporary hip-hop that discusses where hip-hop has been, where it's going, and where it is. I'm Jordan Suwami. And I'm James Rathbone. And today we're talking about two albums from the QC, that's the Quality Control Camp. Uh, it's Little Yachty's new record, Nothing to Prove, and Quavo's debut solo record, Quavo Huncho. A.K.A. the Druid album, based on its uh, very strange album art. <laughs> it looks it's, like something you would find in like a, a witchcraft store perhaps like uh it's like that would be like the, the cover illustration for something about how to talk to trees <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I don't i don't discount that and uh, with con by contrast yachty's album t- uh, cover is fantastic yeah it's a great cover it's which is reminiscent of the his line in the in Chance the Rapper song mixtape from Coloring Book. Does any am I the only person who still cares about cover art? Mm. Maybe he, he might be. <laughs> he might he be. has great cover art. Yeah, he does. He's pretty bulletproof on that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's let's get right into it. Okay, before we talk about these albums, let's talk a little bit about who Quality Control are and who's behind the label. So, Quality Control Records started by uh, Coach Pete, K, Coach K, Kevin Lee, and um, and Pierre Thomas, Pierre P. Thomas P. And uh, Coach was he was actually so, you want you can yeah go yeah. Ahead. So Coach Coach K story is that he has basically been a part of the Atlanta rap scene for many years now. He very early on he was Gucci one of Gucci Mane's first managers. Mm-hmm. He managed Young Jeezy early on. He also threw parties in Atlanta. Um, and he kind of just has kind of been a behind the scenes player for a while and has kind of garnered respect through, you know, managing Gucci early on and, and that. And then at some point, I guess in the, the, like around 2012, him, he and P just like split like decided to start their own label. Mm-hmm. And so they started signing up talent and putting together a little, like a little label and pretty quickly established themselves as a bit of a machine. Like pretty early on, they had the Migos, like mm-hmm. so around 2013, they had Migos. And then by 2014, they had Migos. They had OG Mako when You Guessed It came out, uh, which is like a kind of a great forgotten song of, of this decade. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking about it the other day in the shower and I was like, that was a really specific and special song. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like maybe like there, there are elements of like OG of the, the, that song that have like, infiltrated hip-hop elsewhere definitely just like if you think of even like like a different vein but if you think of someone like jpeg mafia mm-hmm. um so actually let's, let's let's listen to a little bit of you guessed it bitch you guessed it you was right bitch you guessed it good luck good luck fuck nigga on sight bitch you guessed it Still in that place and a flesh. Bitch, you guessed it. I'm still with my Anyway, so it was just an interesting new style at the time, at least felt fresh. And so OG Mako turned out to be a one hit wonder, but mm-hmm. but they but QC had OG Mako, they had Migos, at some point they had Rich the Kid, mm-hmm. they had so they they basically like developed a little. Ro- they had a uh, skip of the flipper, like all these like second string <laughs> yeah, Migos yeah. A- affiliated guys. But they basically amassed a a little squadron of rappers who were kind of cornered different markets. Some were more niche than others, mm-hmm. and basically were kind of like a low key Avengers like situation because they were really well managed. Like QC has has 
so, some stuff that like it seems like some of the major labels don't even have themselves, which is like a strong street team, mm-hmm. the ability to like people working the radios like, like in like in local markets. Like, yeah, it's not like people just like get out of uh, like an Ivy League school and then like go and get a job at there and then like are working at an office in New York and then don't know what's kind of happening actually beyond the like showcases they go to or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like they are really like live, you know, in the, in the culture. You know, they're not like outside kind of trying to figure out how to make a profit off of it has been the history of of rap and music and the record labels for like a a large part. That's right. And I mean, if you look at QC in the last year, they're really on a roll because now, I mean, in addition to the fact that they manage Cardi B, Mm -hmm. she's not on their label, but like, but she's managed by Coach K, Mm -hmm. Um, which is going to be actually be in terms of finances, actually a better situation in lots of ways, because it's, it's not like contingent on hitting sales and whatnot. You're getting a percentage of, of her, you know, when you're managing. And it's all in the family, you know, she's married to Offset. They have like, uh, just an aside, I remember reading the, there was a great uh, Fader cover story about Migos a few years ago. And in it, there is this. Because it's almost as soon as the Migos hit, people were like, okay, like when are they going to split up and start making solo albums? And I think that just because like, groups in this day and age are just not a common it's not thing. A thing. And I think that there's a there's a note in, in the article where Coach K was talking about how he told the Migos, he's like, I just need you guys to give me three years. Give me three full years where you're all together and we, d- we don't split up and like I will like set you guys up for life. Yeah. And that was three years ago, you know? So. Damn. And it's it's only now that they're really starting to split apart and like kind of go into their own solo things, but yeah, I mean he's he's not wrong. Like, he's not wrong. <laughs> look, and if, look if you just go down the roster of like QC right now, they also have little baby who's had a, a breakout yeah. year. And you know, a half. and if, if you've listened to this podcast before, you've probably heard me us talking about him very effusively. Yeah, and uh, trip too hard is number eight on the Billboard Hot 100 right now. Yes, like if you want to talk about like two. Before this year and on mainstream level, pretty obscure. Absolutely. Atlanta, I mean, very, very, you know, traditional trap rappers, not with a lot, not a ton of crossover appeal, you would think, mm-hmm. are like they're in, they're like up there with, you know, post the post Malone's well, <laughs> of the world. Yeah. And uh, with five seconds to whatever that band is. Yeah. The, like they're Theoretically, the Chainsmokers, but, yeah. you know, like actually the top 10 right now is like almost entirely rap music. That's right. You know, so. Yeah, right. um, so, yes, they got Little Baby. They got Little Yachty. They got the City Girls who have also had a breakout year. And I think, you know, we're, we've mentioned before, big fans and I think have, you know. Uh, a lot of upside, as lot they say upside. in sports. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, they also have Steph Don, the UK rapper. So they're, like, they're really, they have a diverse roster, and that's something that they've kind of always had. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, they're they're just a very well-run label. Uh, but it, like, I think an issue with the label that I feel like we were just recently, like, recently starting to discover is that they are ironically named Quality Control, but it is starting to see like there is a lack of quality control <laughs> yeah, yeah. in that camp, or at the very least, it's like no longer a part of their business model. Mm-hmm. It's it really seems just based on you know the Migos album that came out earlier this year, Culture Two, mm-hmm. which has twenty four songs on it. Like it's in, you know it's a it's a really interesting thing because I. Everybody says that it is in their financial interest to put out music that way. And maybe young people are listening to music. Well, I I know that I listen to music in my own idiosyncratic ways. And maybe young people are listening to in a way that I'm just totally unfamiliar with, where it 
for them, the concept of an album maybe doesn't matter. They just listen to the music. They just pick out the songs they like, uh, which is understandable. But it's like it's also like um, I don't know. I felt like I saw with Culture too a lot of pushback against Migos and Migos, who kind of ruled 2017. You know, Culture One being a classic record in my opinion, and you know, Offset having sort of a breakout year, Quavo having a breakout year, them being kind of everywhere. It kind of like felt like with Culture 2, they reversed a lot of the goodwill that had they'd kind of been riding for a while because people were like, okay, we're just so sick of the Migos mm-hmm. now. And they didn't go away. They, no, they didn't go away. They, <laughs> didn't, they did not chill out at all. It's It really seems like, I remember the New York Magazine music critic, Craig, Craig Jenkins, referred to the album as a data dump. And I think that's absolutely true, you know, and 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 I think that it's interesting that they not only did they do that with that album and then now then we had, uh, you know, we have various collaboration albums mm-hmm. and now we have the solo albums coming out. Takeoff Takeoff solo album was just announced mm-hmm. uh, forthcoming. It's like so they're all going to release solo albums. Then they said Culture 3 is coming out probably in January. So it's like. You're just trying to like ruin your your name and reputation. Like I think it it seems like it's just like we're hot right now. Let's just flood the market until we we burn up all the goodwill and people don't <laughs> want to hear from us at all. Ever I mean, again. honestly, if they're just planning to retire in like two years or something, then like good for them, go for it. But like, the, it, it it's like what they should be doing is more like what Future has historically done. Just keep putting out regular album sized releases. You know, 12 songs, even 15 songs, which frankly can be a lot, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, drop putting at 24, 20, like there was a quality control mixtape last year, which yeah, had like 30 right. songs on it. Mm-hmm. It was um, actually pretty good. Too. It was, that was, you know, that was, that was all right. Yeah. Um, it's like, I think that's, that's the move. Um, but yet, what do I know? Because yeah. obviously they, you're, they, they you're got not strategy. Coach K. Exactly. And you're not a multimillionaire exactly. music man. I'm talking about him and he's, <laughs> he's you know, he's... probably driving a Ferrari eating lemon pepper wings. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely true. So you want to start, let's talk about these albums now. Yes. Okay. So, um, well, let, we'll talk about the Druid record first because uh, I think you might have intimated how we feel about that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny because, so, yeah, I remember. So Quavo, Quavo. Yeah. Basically, from the beginning of the Migos was the star anointed as the breakout star. Yeah. And even if you've read like profiles of the Migos, they talk about how Quavo is the de facto leader. Like, yeah. He always has been he the was, leader. He was a high school like star athlete. Star quarterback. Yeah. And, you know, when I went to see the Migos perform with Drake earlier this year, you can see the star, like just the way that, that Quavo walks around. Mm-hmm. He radiates star power in a way that offset and takeoff do to some degree, but but Quavo is just beaming, like it's mm-hmm. it's all over him. His aura shines. Yeah, yeah, you know. But uh, and I think I think I remember around the time that the first uh, culture came out, there was definitely a lot of talk about Quavo himself having a solo career and uh, being that kind of like star. And I, you know, it's also easy to imagine if Takeoff and Offset weren't around, that Quavo would have just his what his career kind of would have looked like. Mm-hmm. Um, that said. You know, I love the fact that the Migos is a group. It's it's like they're one of the few groups of a, of this decade. Mm-hmm. They're not a not a collective, mm-hmm. like ASAP or Odd Black Future, Hippie, Odd Future, Raider Clan, whatever. Mm-hmm. 
they're an actual classic group who seem, even though they're they all rap in a somewhat similar fashion, they seem to bring out the best in each other. To it, to it, in my opinion, absolutely. And I also think that another thing that's kind of underrated about the group aspect is that it hides your weaknesses. Exactly. If you have to give one verse a song mm-hmm. and maybe some ad libs and maybe a hook, like you can sound like a star. Yeah. You know, and I think that's one thing that we're finding right now. And like, um, just I mean, even just off the fact that we've been talking, everyone's been clamoring for this Quavo solo project for so long. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the solo work that was released before this. I n- none of it I thought was particularly special, and I know you ride for Huncho Jack, the collaboration album you put out with Travis Scott. But it's mostly even, the production, though, that is like what's good about it. Yeah, and I think that the interesting things about what Quavo was able to do with his voice and auto tune and like his ad libs and his hooks, like we've been exposed to these things a lot. Um, but I don't know this album. This album just is just really really just did not do it for me. Um, there are some truly atrocious songs on here. There's a song, there's a song I particularly hate is the the collaboration <laughs> with, with Madonna and Cardi B. Oh my B. God, that song is so bad. It is. It's, it, it really sounds like a parody of bad rap from this era. It's like it would be on Empire. It was... <laughs> <laughs> During the Timbaland years, the music did improve on Empire when uh, Rodney Jenkins took over Dark Child. But the Timbaland years, like those were really, truly atrocious music. And like the song is just, I don't even, should we place, I don't know if we want to punish you guys. If you, if you want to, if you want to know what the pain is like, just go and check it out yourself. Has Madonna ever had a positive uh, contribution to hip hop other than having Big Daddy Kane in her sex book? I mean... (laughs) No, and, and and apparently, and like that, not just appearing in her sex book, but also Big Daddy came when he pl- posed for Playgirl. Right, these are things that he has later talked about how they ruined his career. <laughs> so maybe not even then. Yeah, um, I mean it's not all Madonna's fault, but she's not blameless. I'll tell you right, that much. Right. Um, yeah, you know this. The lead single from this this uh, record, "Working Me," is a perfectly fine song. I it's think that's a song. But it's, it's, like, like, it's like a. It's just like a. It's like a standard album cut. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's it's nothing special. Um, like honestly, like I liked I, like some of some of the features. The features, features I liked, are good. You know, like twenty twenty one Savage. Twenty one Savage has had a really interesting feature run in the last yes. last year. Yeah. I I think that he really does add something unique to his song, like mm-hmm. vibe wise. Yeah. And he really raps well on features. I find. I think he's yeah. just been rapping well in general. He's like, got yeah. He's like gotten a lot better than he because I mean he's another one of these guys who. He, his, from when he literally started rapping, like he blew up quite quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he started rapping, what, 2013, 14. Uh-huh. And now, like, he's, it's like he's been rapping for a few years and he's, he's, I think he's getting better. Yeah, let's, let's play a little bit of t- uh, 21 Savage on that song. Yeah. Mama fine as hell, but she acting sedated. Stuck up. I'm not Will Smith, but I'm trying to get jiggy. Fuck up. I can show you how to make a band like Diddy. Get about your feelings for this chopper, make you dance like Shiggy. 21. Six got just like Drizzy. Shut up. Shoot you in the back like Ricky. Shut up. See peanut butter like Jiffy. Shut up. Y'all niggas rats like Mickey. Shut up. Big women only I'm picky. Oh God. Yellow diamonds on me, they pissy. Oh God. Elliot the one did all my eyes. Yeah, Offset has a great verse pissy. on Fuck 12. Yeah, I also like the hook of that song a lot. Like, yeah. I, I, that was song, I feel so like. Little Boosie interpolation. So. Mm. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, that song would play really well, like live. You know, which it's like it's that's a fun hook to sing along to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, it's kind of a it's always a bad sign, like unless you're Puff Daddy, that 
all of your features outshine you on your record. You mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. even the people that you regularly collaborate with, it's like kind of it's kind of <laughs> bizarre. Um, you know, and I, I like it's just so like uniform in terms of how it sounds. Like, yeah, like especially Quavo himself, it's like I don't know. It's 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 almost strange that he could not get bored of making that record. You know what I mean? Like he does, he like, except for a couple songs, like I think the, like uh lost the kid Cuddy song yeah. where kid Cuddy kind of allows him to step out a little bit. Mm-hmm. So much of it is the same flow, the same subject matter. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And like, um, you know, little baby, I like the little baby verse on it as yeah. well. Um, and you know, the take Heath, uh, beat, um, shine, you know, take Heath, pretty exciting right now mm-hmm. drake is always a nice feature to have yeah but it's not a, a, even, even a standout i will drake say verse. like even drake on this album like i just like a week a few weeks ago we were talking about how like you know drake is still coming through with a ama- like great verses and mm-hmm. it's true this verse is good yeah but i was like even this is like one of the first times in some time that i heard drake and i was like this is really unnecessary yeah and i think he i wonder if he just knows there's he's so savvy that it's like does he know that this re- he's like did Quavo play more of the record before this and he's like yeah I'm giving him a C for something. yeah this, this is a C minus yeah, yeah. from Drake yeah um, yeah just overall just not an enjoyable listen it really felt like I you know it's just not not fun no and not interesting not unique yeah just but I mean the the thing is the album sold 99,000 copies in the first week or album right. equivalents of the first week out right and so it is a success mm-hmm. by um, the me- measurable metric that most <laughs> record companies are going by for now. Yeah. And I think it's just like the collaboration albums we were talking about a, a, a few weeks ago where it's like it's at a point now where people aren't really concerned. It, there's doesn't seem like there are certain artists who are concerned with quality. Mm-hmm. And, like, and there's some artists that are just concerned with just like secure in the bag culture. Yes. It, yeah. And they're willing to do anything. It seems like to just secure the bag. Yeah. But I, you know, I think, uh, I think it's short, probably maybe short sighted. I don't really know. I don't know what their objectives are, but to it's me, the thing. it's like, this is an assault on the concept of an album. And I feel like that's what a lot of the stuff they've put out has been. It's like, it's, it's just, it's not like anything kind of cohesive. I mean, once upon a time albums, they're like, weren't, were just a collection of songs, you know? Uh, sometimes they would sort of have a cohesiveness just by virtue of sort of where an artist was and all of that kind of thing. But, you know, hip hop has from like a pretty early stage had a really great tr- tradition of putting out interesting albums that sort of have a cohesiveness, have a particular uh, feeling to them that you would associate with the record. And yeah, I don't know. I don't like it. I like I liked when they were in groups and I like when they put out like a, a cohesive record like Culture. Like that was amazing. Song, a 13 that, song joint. Yeah. yeah, go back to that. That was what worked. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen, no. but I appreciate the sentiment. You know, like it should, they, they should realize though that was their their sort of breakout moment that's what worked for them mm-hmm. you know I mean but this is also working for them so yeah anyway, true. let's move on yeah next album we want to talk about is Little Yachty's Nothing to Prove mm-hmm. um, Little Yachty kind of had one of the one of those fairy tale blow ups in hip hop mm-hmm. where a few years ago he kind of emerged on the scene 
out of nowhere with this style that they call that he called bubblegum trap mm-hmm. and just was it with a mixture of really like kind of emotive singing auto-tune drenched songs mm-hmm. and a really winning personality and a unique media strategy mm-hmm. just became a huge star yeah and he had a, the his first single one night was a part of this like really was a part of the viral video mm-hmm. and that kind of blew that song up mm-hmm. and in that year he also had Minnesota yeah. which was a huge hit all in um, let's like actually let's play let's play a little bit of one night yeah I know you want this for life taking pictures with all my eyes but I can't have no wife I just want you for the night I know you want this for life taking pictures with all my eyes but I can't have no wife I just want you for the night um yeah and then he put out then he had the mixtape and he had like on that he had like his sailing 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 team, team which yeah. it seems like most of them have split apart yeah, but he's they, like which has spawned some other rappers including cody shane yeah um and yeah they had the great song all in which i was mm, a big fan of yeah. like, just in general like he had he had broccoli, a lot of his verse on broccoli which everybody broccoli, thought it was his song that's right with with dram and his verse on mixtape with mm-hmm. Chance the Rapper, which for me, I was like, it was a really, really incredible verse. Mm-hmm. Actually, let's play a little bit of that as well. Yeah, he just had he just seemed to have a like two a few different distinct styles mm-hmm. and some versatility. And I what I really liked about his music was his like auto tunes, his auto tune emotive singing. That's what I mm-hmm. thought was really interesting. He had like he had some songs that were just like pure positive vibes, kind of like in the little B shape mm-hmm. kind of and he just seemed like a really wholesome interesting star yeah i i mean i i think uh he he was sort of this like great um antithesis to like the last vestiges of like the classic rap uh fan like you see those like really terrible memes on facebook like backpack rap central and they're like remember when rap was this and it's a picture of tupac and now it's this and it's like Lil Yachty. like i loved how he seemed to like not and he would he like totally bought into that and would talk about how he found like biggie boring and stuff like that and it was so funny and made so many like like annoying people mad uh so like it was just like great to see this his like like just like youth uh youthful spirit just kind of keeping hip-hop young keeping things fresh and and there, yeah there was this like uh just sense that he could kind of he had this this charmed existence that he would just find success no matter what uh-huh yeah it, it was just it just felt very pure mm-hmm. um but then but then <laughs> then 
he put out some bad albums. Yeah, particularly his so his like debut record, Teenage, Teenage Emotions. Emotions. Great album cover, great album name. The music, on the other hand, not no. good, Bob. No, <laughs> no, it was there was not. It was, it was way too much of the trap Yachty. It was yeah. too much of little Yachty rapping, which has never been his strong suit, in my opinion. It's no. never been what's been interesting about him. No. I think that what was interesting about him is when he was doing things that not that many people are doing or doing in the way that he has done. Mm-hmm. But when he's doing the kind of his kind of trap rap style, at least especially exclusively, which he does a lot of it on that album. Mm-hmm. It just is so boring. Like, yeah. He ha- he in general is not the most deft f- at flows. Mm-hmm. He's kind of a marble mouth <laughs> MC. Right. He's I feel like where the term mumble rap came from. Yeah, I mean, yeah. People I mean, I mean him and Kodak, but Kodak it's like Thugger. Thugger. But Thugger like he's I know it's Young like Thug actually, doesn't mumble. We we, we yeah. <laughs> like But I like like Lil Yachty doesn't like like Young Thug, when he is like playing with words, isn't like mumbling by because he is unable to like stay on beat that way. He's mm-hmm. he's like it's conscious choice. Whereas uh, with Yachty, you know, sometimes it feels like he's kind of maybe struggling a little bit to stay on, you know, stay on the beat, especially when he's like rapping a little bit faster. Yes, yes, that's true. Um, yeah, and and it, there was a, a feeling like, oh, this guy who seemed to kind of just have it so easy. Is he what? What is his career going to be like from here on out? You know, is is his moment kind is of it, done? Yeah, and I remember his the sa- the first week sales weren't great, yeah. and it was kind of like a lot of people were like, "Told you." Yeah, and Yachty even he posted this thing on Instagram where he basically sort of apologized. Yeah. Like he, it was a weird way to talk about an album that just came out. Came out, you know. I remember he had a, a show here at. That was at Rebel, and it was announced like pretty far advanced uh, last year. And I, I was like, "It's at Rebel." Like this guy, you know, uh, he might even be too big for Rebel. It felt like like before the record had come out because uh-huh. it was announced pretty far in advance. And then I don't think it like I think it didn't. It might have eventually sold out, but I don't think it sold out like super e- uh-huh. easily. I will say that I, I saw a little Yachty in Amsterdam in 2015, mm-hmm. and it was a really packed crowd. Mm-hmm. A lot of like 18 year old white kids. Mm-hmm. It, it was Amsterdam. Yeah. Um, but I think any little Yachty shows a lot of 18 year old white kids. Yeah. Um, at, look, well, actually, which makes me think of like this other, this as an aside, I was talking to this kid who's, uh, I guess in his early twenties a while ago. Um, and he was talking to me about why he was like, he's talking to me about why he liked little Yachty. Mm -hmm. And he's like, he's like, you know, he's like, I can listen to Kendrick Lamar and like, uh, and I, like, I like like, he's a good rapper and I like the lyrics, but I don't really necessarily relate to them. Mm. But if I listen to little Yachty, he's talking about like, you know, girls and about like fun and about, (laughs) yeah, fun and like clothes and stuff that is more easily easy for me to relate to. Mm. And I was like, Oh, I, that was just, just, it felt like such an interesting insight. I'm like, Oh, that's, that makes a lot of sense to me. You know, (laughs) it's it's, like kind of an everyman a little bit. Totally. Especially for like young, just teenage kids. If you think Mm -hmm. about like the stuff that he talks about and and his experiences, um, but anyway, Little Yachty's performance in Amsterdam was fucking amazing. Like mm. the crowd was so rowdy. I lost my favorite sweater that <laughs> night. It, that it was is hot. Like, absolutely like what would happen to you at a rap concert. <laughs> <laughs> you know, rap show was really rowdy when Jordan suddenly lost a favorite cardigan. 
You know, it's like a really beautiful vintage Lacoste one that he loves so much. Yeah, it was uh, kind of bummed out, but it was such a fun concert that I was like, yeah, that's that's the cost you got to pay. You know, you're out here messing with these teenagers in the mosh pit. And yeah, whatnot. no, for but, sure. Yeah, I don't know. All this to say, his even his the next album he put out, Little Boat Two, mm-hmm. another great uh, great album cover. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I thought pretty middling, pretty middling work. Mm-hmm. You know, it it was definitely better than Teenage Emotions, mm-hmm. but still nothing. It still didn't capture the magic that I felt like his early, like little the original Little Boat mixtape had, mm-hmm. and just his style in general because. He just wasn't doing enough of the singing. Yeah. Which and, brings us to this album, mm-hmm. which they he very consciously split into a seven songs of of like kind of hard rapping, like trap yachty, and seven songs of more melodic uh, singing. Yeah. Which is like, you know, the Nelly sweatsuit model, the Drake, <laughs> the Drake, uh, the Drake model from yeah. earlier this year. And I will say this album is probably his best it in is terms best. of yeah studio albums. Yeah, for sure. The rapping is better. The rapping's way better. The beat selection is also a lot better than like he's. That's one of the problems he had. I feel like with Teenage Emotions was that if if all the beats were like Minnesota, uh, we probably would have liked it despite whatever other problems he had with the rapping. But there was like nothing memorable about it. Whereas like there's a lot of really good beats on this. Uh huh. What are some songs that stand out to you on this album? Um. Well. I I quite like Get Dripped. It's like a Cardi. I mean, I've, you know, if you listen to this yeah. podcast a lot, you know that I love Playboy Cardi. Yeah. And uh, I find that like it's an interesting thing that like <clears throat> as it's sort of particular a style of rapping that uh, Cardi does that you know some people really love, such as myself. Other people don't really get. Other rappers seem to fit really well into his style, That's and true. Yachty really fits well into yes. his style, sounds, which makes a lot of sense. Sounds very natural at it. Yeah, let's, absolutely. Let's play a little bit of it. Yeah. 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 I'll put them niggas on game. Don't start this nation. Oops. Back in 15, I was swiping. Ooh. Beat up that pussy, I'm Tyson. Oops. Niggas is reckless. Trifling. Your cell phones don't call me. Rich white money, Mike Lowry. Keep one joystick like a Tari. V, I'm a bat like Barry. Another song I really like off this record uh, is Forever World with Trippy Red. Um... I feel like that song, the beat sort of reminded me of like a like a two thousands era Atlanta beat a uh-huh, little bit, uh-huh. you know, like uh, something that maybe would be you'd have like Big Boy or like CeeLo featured on or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I don't know. And just then hearing like Trippy and y- Trippy, who's seems kind of indebted to to Yachty in a little a little bit of a way, having that that versatility between like the singing and uh-huh. and uh yeah that song also i really really liked as well yeah i think just in general this this like i mean the features are just all like really well selected on this very album. well you selected. got gonna obviously there's no you can't release an album in 20 a major label album in 2018 without having gonna on it yes like gunna's had he's he's on the amine album he's like he's <laughs> right. gonna is everywhere yeah um got kevin gates kevin got, gates one of the i mean very problematic person to 
to be like a, a rap fan of. He doesn't yeah. make it easy, but maybe the most underrated rapper of the 2000s, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, 2010s? 2010s. Yeah, yeah I, yeah. I think he's definitely up there. He's he's he's, he's outstanding. And he's he an was outstanding rapper. doing it from the beginning. He was like killing it yeah. in, in like 2010, 11. Yeah, he's been on a really incredible run mm-hmm. despite his prison and, and general like, and general persona yeah general general disturbing public persona yeah absolutely <laughs> frequently off, disturbing off-putting yeah off-putting that's a better way of putting it um you got young nudie on here little baby juice world who i feel like i've really done a 180 on in the last <laughs> few weeks like i for a while I, I was thinking this this guy's the future i thought um just based on his on his record from earlier this year and the fact just he rose so fast rose really thought. quickly his he did a real a run of of freestyles on radio shows where mm-hmm. he was on Westwood and he was on he was at, I think he was at Funkmaster Flex he just mm-hmm. did all these radio stations and just did genuine off the top freestyle for a very long time mm-hmm. off of really interesting beats and I was like I just did you just if you listen to his albums you might not even know that he has the ability to do that mm-hmm. and just in the past few weeks with his collaboration with Future. Uh, the the album he put out with Future, which and, we almost talked about and didn't, for, yeah, for the reasons that Jordan is discussing. Just nothing special, and also just Juice World also has some spectacularly dumb lyrics. Yeah, and the song that he has with Yachty here is pretty fun. There's also a lot of dumb lyrics in it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Yachty has some dumb, some, like yeah. Yachty will like, bust out some really dumb lyrics sometimes. Yeah, but. It's still, I don't know, he still manages to make it a pretty winning performance overall in this mm-hmm. album. Absolutely. It's just, he's also someone who's just easy to root for, Yachty, you know? I mm-hmm. want him to be successful, you know? and Because it, it's like he brings a certain something uh, to rap music that, like, in some sense, it's, it's kind of actually reminds me of, like, very early rap. There's, like, an innocence to Yachty. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That it's like, it, it would that would seem very strange to maybe, like, someone who... Um, is still wearing LRG in 2018, but like it's and, and like the kind of person who would like really treasure their like uh Kumo D records, but like to me, that Yachty has that sort of like rap. We I rap because it's fun, you know, like I like to rap about girls, you know, it's not like like he raps about his successes, but it's not like over the top, like drug rap, mm-hmm. like all this kind of thing. Like even his trap songs, he doesn't really talk about like like violence that much or like you know he kind of alludes to the he, fact yeah. that it exists but it's not like something he is like kind of threatening you with or anything uh-huh. like that you i mean know? So, sometimes he does but sometimes it's like, he does but no, we, it, it, just, it doesn't seems, sound that it way it seems more like okay you're just saying that because that's what rappers say yeah exactly <laughs> you know? yeah so there's something i don't know he's i'm glad that this album was so good it was such i listened to the quavo record first and mm-hmm. then i listened to this and i was like it was so impressive how much better this record was. Yeah. You know, yeah. it didn't feel half baked at all. It felt like this, he was, he knew maybe that this might be like, either he's back in a better zone or something like that, or he knew this was a great opportunity to kind of like get back into the, the, the sort of lane towards like true stardom that he was in before. Yeah. And I think it's just cause he had a few years, like there was, I saw a really great tweet a few weeks ago where it's like, I don't know. I can't remember when, Little Yachty turned from changed from the rapper that teenagers are into mm. into the rapper that brands think teenagers are into. Oh damn! And yeah, that's good. it's very on point because yeah. Little Yachty, from his whole rise, has been like an, one of the most unabashed, 
unabashed brand endorsers. Yes, he had a he loved he always loved the the, the brand Nautica for right. obvious reasons. Little boat, mm-hmm. and he did a collaboration with them and Urban Outfitters. He did a Target commercial with, with Carly Rae Jepsen. He did a Sprite <laughs> commercial with LeBron James. Yeah, earlier this year he did a Chef Boyardee commercial with Donny Osmond. Like he That's is hilarious. Here. There, there is no corporate sponsorship that Little Yachty will turn down. Yeah, and I'm just happy that his rap is good again. Yeah, no, for sure. Because otherwise, it would we wouldn't be able to appreciate and remember the good times soon enough. It would just be like this was a corny person. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Because for a while, tricked us. Yeah, that's what it felt like. It felt like we got punked. Yeah, it's like oh, this guy's fun, and he's like. But like, oh no, he's actually just a corporate shill. Yeah. But I, no, he's only a part-time corporate shill. <laughs> you know, he also still makes fun music. Yeah. Uh, okay, and at the end of every episode now, you know, we like to talk about something that's going on in hip-hop or the culture in general that we really enjoy. And this week I'll go first. I want to talk about something that I attended this week. It was Red Bull Music is doing a 10 days of music programming in Toronto. And so this has come out in many forms. There was they did a a concert for the D- D- Division, the R and B singer mm-hmm. at uh, with the Toronto Orchestra. It's like every single person I knew on Instagram was at that show. I think, but it I was wasn't. a hot ticket. It, it was, was a hot ticket. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they did a big, a uh, big like drag ball mm-hmm. event. Oh yeah, that was and, what everyone else was at. Yes, and <laughs> they the by the time that you're listening to this, they'll have done this great concert with a bunch of the rising talent like little beretti and ebony from toronto and pillow b and they also did this event on monday which i attended which was an hour-long interview with scott storch uh the mega producer of from the 90s and 2000s and 2010s who has had one of the most interesting careers of any producer in Mm -hmm. hip-hop history he started off like helping develop the root sound in the mm-hmm. early nineties. So kind of rose with the roots from the, the early nineties to the two thousands or so mm-hmm. then moved to LA and started working with Dr. Dre mm-hmm. and has collaborated with Dr. Dre on some of his most iconic songs, including the most memorable part of still Dre, mm-hmm. which is the piano. Yeah. Actually let's listen to a little bit of still Dre and like, you'll hear Scott, Scott Storch's contribution yeah. right away. Snoop Dogg and D.I. Guess who's back? Still. Still doing that shit, Andre? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Check me out. It's still Trey Day. Uh? A.K.I. I've grown a lot, can't keep it home a lot Cause when I frequent the spots that I'm known to rock You hear the bass from the truck when I'm on the block Ladies. So this interview was kind of talking about his whole career Talking about uh, just even making the jump from moving from leaving the roots to go work with Dre and how even the roots people were kind of looking at him sideways because mm-hmm. there was a huge divide mm-hmm. between the conscious hip hop that Scott was helping to develop the sound for and the really commercial rap that Dr. Dre at the time was known for. Mm-hmm. He was saying that people were saying to him is like, you're working, you're going to go to LA to work with Dr. Dre. Isn't it like 10 years too late for that? <laughs> like that. And <laughs> that's so funny. So working with Dre, Working with Eminem, working with Fifty, mm-hmm. you know, producing songs like Pop and Them Things, Candy Shop, mm-hmm. then working with Fat Joe with some of Fat Joe's biggest songs, Lean Back, which was number one in the Billboard Hot 100 for like, you know, five months, mm-hmm. you know, and working on Crimea River, mm-hmm. you know, like 
working on Beyonce's solo album, you got Baby Boy, Me, Myself, and I, like some of these most, some of the most amazing Beyonce songs that Scott he, I mean, produced. In some ways, he sort of defined the sound of that first, in like the non-Atlanta sound, at least, in rap. Uh, of like the first half of the 2000s. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, just that he produced Mario's Let Me Love You. Like the breath, the breath and diversity of his catalog. He worked with Christina Aguilera. Like Mm. it's just, it's really astounding. And he talks about all of this for an hour. He would play the piano occasionally to like, to to emphasize certain songs. He's Mm -hmm. like, he would play the parts of the songs, like the Crimea River, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, and it's, frequently the most iconic parts of those songs are the Scott Storch parts, which is the piano. Mm -hmm. Um, So just really, really interesting. He then started talking about, he produced Shutterbug for Big Boy. And that was during his dark period. That was uh, during Storch's dark period. Mm -hmm. He also talks about his like, like mistakes that he made where he, he lost between 70 and a hundred million dollars essentially to cocaine. Yeah. Uh, I I mean, yeah, there was a great article uh, that came out sort of at the tail end of his sort of recovery from that, where he talked about how like, it's impossible to spend a hundred million dollars on cocaine. But the decisions you make on cocaine, they can yes. cost you a hundred million dollars. You bought a yacht, yeah. he had time shares on a private jet. Yeah. He would he, he would just on a whim take a private jet to Europe. <laughs> he would take a private jet to Vegas, yeah. gamble a night, yeah. go home the next day, drop like a you know a million dollars like, or something. Yeah, eight hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. He said that he that he hit a rough patch in the late two thousands when he mo- moved from Miami where he'd set up shop and kind of created this whole um, this whole world where like all of the most A-list musicians, rappers, mm-hmm. singers in the world would, would come to his house to try and get, get their hours with him, you mm-hmm. know? And he's like, you moved to LA and the person who was interviewing was the rapper Cadence Weapon was like, why did you, why'd you do that? He's like, I was chasing Paris Hilton. Right. And everyone was like, Ooh, yeah. like, it's the truth. I just had to tell you, you know what? <laughs> uh, but so he had some dark years Eventually went to rehab, is now back on his game, and he's mm-hmm. back working with with uh, young artists again. He's he's worked with Young Thug. He, he helped produce uh, Daddy's Birthday, the mm-hmm. great song from Beautiful Thugger Girls. He produced an excellent song on Trippy Red's album, Taking a Walk, which is mm-hmm. one of my favorite songs on that album. Um, and he's out here just working working with the young talent again. And it's it's it was just a really interesting fascinating conversation to hear someone talk about their career like that. And also that he's had such an interesting career. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really, a really, really great experience. And I don't know. I, I think before I went to the event, I mean, I knew I was going to go, uh, you and I were supposed to go actually. Mm-hmm. And then there was maybe a split second where I was like, Oh, maybe I won't go to this event. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad that I did. And it just really, I think impressed upon me the importance of, if there's ever an opportunity where you can see a rapper you like or a singer, a musician of any sort or a producer or someone involved in the industry of any sort do a lecture or a conversation or interview, you should absolutely go to it because mm-hmm. you get to hear insights about the process and about the experience of creating all these songs that have had such a big impact on you mm-hmm. that you would never otherwise hear. Mm-hmm. Like This stuff is not going to come out in reading a profile. Yeah. You you really hear it by like being there and watching it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Just, it just really like really sent me home with a lot of love in my heart for scott storch and uh and just just hip-hop in general damn it's beautiful um for my uh for my little hip-hop moment um i'm going to talk about uh pitchfork uh media much derided um but i think they actually have been doing something really great uh the last few years in general and 
and specifically, uh, they've been talking about reissues a lot. And they've been talking, that's like, I don't, like a lot of people really don't like their criticism. They don't like the, the weird, the, uh, the very arbitrary scores they give. And I understand all of that. But they cover the, like, albums that are reissued. And typically, if an album, regardless of genre, is reissued, it's probably worth listening to because it means, however much longer after it came out, people are still listening to it. The, I feel like they, them doing that sort of led to this recent thing that they've been doing where every Sunday they review a record that came out bef- that they haven't written about before before Pitchfork started writing or what have you. Uh, so this week it was a really great review and they, they kind of go deep on them by um, Jeff Chang of De La Soul's Three Feet High and Rising. And um, I might have mentioned this before, but... When I first got into rap music, I was I just like threw myself into all the um, sort of canon of classics, especially stuff that gotten five mics from the source and uh, just the th- the album, the sort of seminal albums. But that was kind of a long time ago, and uh, some of them, those records I listened to, like Illmatic or sort of a lot of the Outkast stuff, Mob Deep, Jay Z, Nas. Some of that stuff is really just stayed with me a long time and I've kept listening to it. But other stuff I actually haven't listened to now in a really long time. And De La, the first couple De La Soul records are amongst that. Um, and, you know, they're De La Soul are actually one of the most important uh, rap groups of all time. Uh, they were sort of the first breakout Native Tongues group um, who the other most famous group being A Tribe Called Quest. Uh, but Tribe Called Quest has kind of, I think, gotten a lot of shine for having that sort of early alternative conscious sound that could go in lots of different directions. Um, Three Foot High, High and Rising is a really interesting record. And one of the things I like that they, he mentions in that review is that it's um, sort of the start of the third generation of hip hop where you had like, you know, the like, taking it from the parks, like the kind of Busy Bee era breakdancing stuff. And then you had like the Run DMC, LL Cool J stuff of like putting out cohesive records. And then uh, sort of with this record, hip hop really branches out. And, uh, you know, it it still sounds pretty modern. I mean, it it has got like just an incredible, incredible production. uh, And I... I don't know. It just kind of made me reflect back on records that I haven't listened to in a while. And one of the things about De La Soul, unfortunately, is that you actually have to steal their albums or find physical copies because it is out of print. Because of the number of samples on their early records, they like they're just it's not uh, worth it for like them to clear them all in order to get on Apple Music or Spotify. Uh, so it's like, I feel like that in part is sort of diminishing De La Soul's stock. And I, I really like that, you know, Pitchfork put this out because they, they are, they're a great group. And, and even though I actually probably like the second record, the best De La Soul is dead. It's that is like, to me, like as good as those tribe records, this record is still really great, really interesting, and really weird. So if you haven't listened to it or you haven't listened to it recently like me, go and listen to it again. It's on YouTube. Tommy Boy has it up there. So yeah. Um, okay. And that's, that, that's it for another episode of Catch Up. Yeah. Um, 
if and you know we wouldn't be able to we wouldn't make this podcast if no one listened to it and so we love the fact that you are listening to it right now you the person then who's got their uh headphones in or maybe is the type of person to play a podcast just off their phone on uh, in some public place you know we wouldn't judge you for doing that a lot of people would but you know we care about you and uh and would never judge your lifestyle decisions but part of that is that you know we would love it if you would tell your friends uh maybe uh who don't listen to catch up but they would like to or they they don't know that they would like to but they're interested in hip-hop or maybe if you're listening to it on spotify there's a great little button you can press it'll Post your uh, interest into in catch up right to Instagram. You know, there's lots of ways that you can support us, and and we really appreciate all of that. And if you're listening to this on the day that it comes out, it is Friday, October 26th. Tonight there is a Boosie Fade in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. It is at Parts and Labor. It's Boosie Fade 29. Mm-hmm. It's very exciting. I'm so pumped for it. We've been looking forward to this for weeks. So if you're in town and you want to come say what's up and hang out with some of the people from the Boosie Fade fam, pull up. Yeah, please do. If we if we haven't met before and you listen to the podcast, come speak to us. We're friendly people, yeah. you know, and we can introduce you to some other friendly people and you'll have a great time. Also, I think it's like vaguely Halloween related. I I'm not I'm dressing I'm not, up as myself as at a boosie fit. Yeah, me too. It's, so. it's, it's kind of like a couple's costume. <laughs> <laughs> Facts. So you can wear a costume if you'd like to. Um, but either way, come say hi. Yeah. All right. So have a great week. We will talk to you very soon. Stay safe. <laughs>